Hi, I'm Simone W. Johnson-Smith, and welcome to the Immigrant Experience in America. Are you a professional new to the United States and struggling to monetize the expertise you brought across the seas? Are you feeling misunderstood and out of touch because you're struggling to understand the unstated rules of the American culture? Each week, we'll take an in-depth look at the positive contributions immigrants are making to the American culture, marketplace, and life. Our intention is to serve as a bridge from your culture to the American culture, giving you a roadmap of tools and the language to understand the unstated rules of the American culture. Let's get started. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America. Today, we have a very interesting guest. I look forward to sharing her background and her very interesting activity that she's doing here in the United States. We have with us Deborah Lockhart. Ms. Lockhart um, hails from uh, Antigua and Barbuda, uh, where she started her language services uh, career in translation and interpreting where she worked for the um, government, such as the Elections Office, the Office of the Prime Minister, the Ministry of Legal Affairs, Ministry of Public Works, the Immigration Department, the High and Magistrates Court, among many others. She has translated and interpreted for the Venezuelan and U.S. embassies and for various uh, law firms, medical practitioners, the media, and advertising and commercial entities, as well as individuals seeking immigration-related translation services. After nine years, she moved to New York City, right? So she was in Antigua and Barbuda running her business. And after nine years, she moved to New York City, where she obtained certificates in translation and in-court interpreting at the New York University School of Professional and Continuing Studies. And in 2006, she established a language shop where she directs project managers and team leaders in every time zone to provide top quality language services to the company's diverse worldwide clientele on a full-time basis. She also served as treasurer of the New York City Circle of Translators in 2006. Deborah speaks, of course, English, Spanish, French, and basic Arabic along with Jamaican Patois and various other Caribbean Creoles. Her interests are pets, language, culture, film, food, and entertaining. Some of the causes close to her heart are the needs of the poor and hungry, the rights and needs of abandoned animals, and the needs of the age. So welcome, Deborah. Hello, thanks for having me. Very nice to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So please uh, go ahead and share any additional uh, information that I might have left. Um, what was your experience life uh, like growing up in Antigua and having your business? So um, growing up in Antigua, I was in Antigua up to the age of seven. And then my mother, who is Jamaican, returned to Jamaica um, and when I on like when I was about eight I joined her after a short separation and um, 
And so I went to school in Jamaica. So I, I don't fault you for thinking I was Jamaican. It's okay. But I'm also a proud Antiguan. Very <laughs> I'm well, a proud very both. Well. <laughs> so um, I went to school in Jamaica. And I went back to Antigua in 80. And then finished up my bachelor's at the university in Jamaica. And then launched my career in translation in Antigua. And um, so that was pretty exciting. And I, when I look back, I realized how bold and brave I was because there are things I did then I wouldn't do now. But mm. the more you learn is the more you realize how much you have to learn. And that's the great thing about learning. It really prepares you for the real world. Um, right. And so my mother had moved to the United States, to New York. And so, you know, I kept visiting her and spending time with her. Um, and eventually she filed a petition for me and I joined her. Okay, so, so, you know, I was back and forth from Antigua to here until I eventually um, became a permanent resident in 2000. Okay, okay, and then moved your business as well to New York. Well, yeah, it took a while, you know, to establish myself, but in, in the course of the conversation, I'll tell you, you know, how I went about doing, doing that. that. Yeah. Okay, very good, very good. So I spoke to someone recently who said, just the act of immigrating to another country makes you a fearless person. So you mentioned earlier that you were so brave to step out and start your business. And I, I guess uh, you probably, you know, studying languages, you may have traveled before. The fact that you were born in one country and then moved with your mom to Jamaica and back and forth, you probably developed that fearlessness <laughs> from having to go from one country to the next. Yeah, interest, definitely. Um, it's, it's interest, curiosity, and just interest in knowing about other people and communicating with them. Yes, very nice, very nice. Um, so how long have you been here in the United States? Since 2000, so that would make it 22 years. 22 years, okay. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned earlier that your mom filed for you and uh, that you came directly here with your immigrant visa and be later became a permanent resident soon after? Well, I was coming back and forth, back and forth, and then finally everything came through and we did the interview. And, you know, I that last time I stayed permanently. Right. So you were traveling as a tourist with a, a B1, B2 tourist visa. Exactly. Right. Very good. Um, all right. So... Can you talk to us a little bit about your American dream and, um, you know, yeah. maybe share a little bit about your experience from just visiting before you permanently moved as well? Okay, so I always wanted to succeed at language translation and the United States seemed to be an ideal place because it is such a melting pot of people from all over the world. 
it was serendipitous that my mother was living in New York because New York is even more diverse. We eventually moved to Queens, which is labeled one of the most diverse cities in the world. So oh, wow. it's great. Um, you know, and because I love not just the language, but culture, food, everything pertaining to to culture and language, um, I it's great to immerse myself and be faced with so many different cultures. Some people don't like that. They prefer to remain within their culture. But I am one that likes to really get to know people of different cultures and see how people operate. So um, in terms of my American dream to succeed at language translation, I had some challenges. I needed to be certified in translation and interpreting, which I did. I attended New York University's School of Continuing and Professional Services, and I um, had to also navigate the establishing of my company. I had to find out what was needed and what department to go to to do that. You know, so I did. And then establishing a business has its lean moments, especially in the beginning. And, you know, I had to tighten my belt. And as they say in the United States, white knuckle it until the tough times passed, you know, um, <laughs> And then there is always a challenge of building up a client base. Um, so much goes into that. You have to know who you're targeting. You know, you have to know who to reach, how to reach them and to engage them. And then there's also the challenge of maintaining your clients as their needs and working environments change. Operations is a daily challenge. And this involves business and finance, sales and marketing, project management, client relations, team management, and community outreach. So that's basically been my life for the past 15 years. Wow. Wow. I, mean, I imagine you come across so many different types of people, too. Absolutely. Okay, well, thank you for that. But you persevered and looks like your business has been uh, thriving uh, there in the New York City area. I'm still afloat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very good, very good. So what were some of the biggest challenges you had to overcome in, you know, moving from a, a Caribbean environment, now living in New York, which is such a diverse place, so fast paced, completely different from the culture in the Caribbean, you know, any um, challenges, big, biggest surprises, anything well, that shocked you? To, on the non-business level, 9-11 was a real shock to my system. It oh, was yes. a very, um, being in New York, it had a serious emotional effect. Um, it just to see the suffering of humanity and to feel the fear and to realize that hate could 
personify itself and mobilize itself in such a way as to cause so much destruction. Um, on the one hand, how I had to cope with it year by year is seeing how people helped people, how people helped each other, and to hear stories of how people overcame, how people who were in the towers or at the Pentagon, how some of them came out, and even the story of bravery by the people on the plane, I think, who were heading, who decided to actually take down the terrorists and you mm. know so they decided to put up a struggle to prevent the plane from going in another plane from going into the pentagon or something like that so these were the stories that you know it it was it was horrible um but we have had to pick up the pieces and move on and then my next biggest um challenge and surprise and shock and area of adjustment was the loss of my largest client in 2016 and this represented the loss of 92 percent of my revenue in a year where i'd lost four immediate family members including both parents and two siblings oh, wow my condolences thank you so the surprise and shock was the reality that who is in your corner today may not be in your corner tomorrow and of course i felt betrayed abandoned deeply disappointed however i knew i had to go on so which much prayer I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and decided to focus on my other clients. I had to respect every job, no matter how small, as if it were a large project. I had to find a way to keep things afloat financially. So I supplemented my income by providing short-term rentals. And it meant clearing a space in the house, making it feel comfortable for short-term guests. It required much flexibility as I had to deal with people from all cultures, with all kinds of attitudes and socioeconomic backgrounds, and from all walks of life. So I did that until COVID, but now I've had to refocus only on the translation service. Wow. Wow. That's quite a big adjustment you had to make. Absolutely. Um, did I did I hear you say you lost one client who was like 90% of your business? Yeah, did like you... 92%. Yeah. Oh, okay. Was this uh some the business closed? I, I don't know if you mind sharing. Um my my the my analysis of the whole picture was that there as the actually as the potent as the political climate changed so did the environment within their organization. It's a lot nonprofit that depends on federal funding and also on, you know, other larger NGO donations. And yeah, so they okay. had to change their procurement policies. And um, I got squeezed out. Being a small business, um, with a smaller infrastructure, 
I got squeezed out. And I think that they were also, they had a downsize of probably at least 50% of their own staff. Okay. So it, they had to make a lot of changes and sometimes they change and change and change and then it comes down to the small person. So that's right. what happened. Right, right, right. Can you talk a little bit about your um, outside of work? Like what's your day-to-day interactions in your personal experience of America um, outside of the business uh, space? Well, I have family and I have neighbors that I interact with. Um, Of late, I've started a tiny outreach to the homeless. Um, But I noticed that in my neck of the woods, based on what I see, I would say within a five mile perimeter, um, there are not too many people on the streets at night. Mm-hmm. Um, in the holidays, I decided to create a little care package uh, for, you know, a few people and go out at night and hand them out. And some of the people who received the care package, um, the care packages were actually repeats, which is oh. a good sign. And it means that they, the shelters and, and the things that are put in place seem to be working, especially since COVID, our administration here in New York seem to have made a big push to get the ho- homeless off the street. So I was very heartened by that. Um, and then I have various church activities that I'm a part of and um, looking to be involved. Of course, COVID curtailed a lot of movements. So I'm still doing a lot of virtual interaction now. Um, But again, too, before all of this, seniors, like working at getting seniors, the type of support they need is also near and dear to my heart because they're like a forgotten generation. So those are some of the things I involve myself with. Okay, very good. You, you, you seem like a busy lady, always. I know. <laughs> That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, I, I, live, I live with this constant feeling that I'm not doing enough. <laughs> mm, and okay. so I tend to want... when. When someone tells me the impact of something that I did, it's very, very encouraging because I always feel it's not enough and it spurs me to keep doing and doing more, you know, so. Right, right, right. There's this Jamaican saying, every little make a moko. Right. And yes. one, one cocoa full basket. Full basket, yes. So if all of us do our little parts, we will eventually be making. Exactly. So we're making a little bit of an impact in our little neck of the woods, in our little neighborhoods, all right? Yes. So, yeah, we appreciate your efforts. So um, 
So since you've been here since 2000, uh, what have you learned about uh, the American marketplace, American culture in interacting with people overall? Okay, some of the advice or some things that I've learned, and I would share this almost like advice. Um, the first thing is, when you come, you tend to get information from others. And people tell you things, they give you advice based on what they know, and they can only advise you at the level where they are. But the first thing you should know is don't listen to others without verifying the official facts. Mm. Try to always find out for yourself what, what is available, what is not, what you can get, what you can do, what, you know, what your circumstances will look like. You can't rely on another person to tell you unless it's an organization, like a community-based organization. Do your research and don't be afraid because there tends to be this fear, you know, there's a fear because everyone has a story. But do your research, whether it's online, via telephone, or visit the respective agency whose help you require. That's one. Two. Even when you get a no, keep going. No doesn't mean to give up. Don't give up on the first no or the second or third no. Living in the U.S. requires a lot of persistence. There is always a loophole and laws change. They change sometimes very rapidly. So keep holding on and keep look, checking back until you get your desired result for whatever it is you want to accomplish. And then whatever you want to achieve, this is number three, get around that community. If you want to be in a certain field, try to get in, even if it's at the entry level, until you can find a way to move yourself up. Try to stay focused on your goal and make that thing that you want to accomplish, the common thread in all your activities and make your connections there, at least a significant amount of your connections. If you lack resources, such as electronic devices, go to places like the library, for example, and make use of their equipment. Come armed with the knowledge that you may have to go through some stuff. However, don't let the words and actions of others determine your future. Sometimes it's not easy. There's a culture shock. You, fa you face obstacles. Sometimes it's racism. You can be ridiculed because you're different. You can be ridiculed for your accent, for the way you look for your customers and cultures but you define yourself and you determine your success and even though your circumstances may not look great at this moment you must stay positive and be faithful in whatever area you're serving in knowing that you will achieve your American dream. Very well said. Thank you for that. Thank you for the encouragement. Um, so I know you do. Oh, I was going to share as I heard you talking 
there's also another saying in Jamaica, um, if you want good, you know it's how to run. Right. Right. That's just basically saying if you want to achieve anything out of life, you have to persevere. And sometimes even when it gets hard and there are difficult moments, you continue to still persevere and look for the rainbows and the light and um, until you get to your American dream exactly. for this moment. Yes. So I know we spoke a bit about your uh, business, the language shop. Can you tell us uh, if there are anyone, uh, if there's anyone listening and would like to get in touch with your business for your services, how do they reach you and where do they go? The website is located at thelanguageshop.org. We're not a nonprofit. But our extension is a .org. So it's www.thelanguageshop.org. And you can check out our blogs. We have interesting articles. Sometimes it's film reviews. It's, it's discussions about dialects and language and culture. So you should find something at the blog that's of interest to you. Very good. Very good. So any one of our listeners interested in working with Miss Lockhart, you can find her business at the languageshop.org. And um, I'm sure her contact uh, information is there on the website as well. Uh, we thank you for uh, sharing your story, your immigrant American story with us today, Miss Lockhart. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on the show, and we welcome you back anytime. Thank you, thank you. And I so, must say that I love what you're doing, and uh, I wish you every success with it. Oh, thank you so much. I'm quite excited. I've put it off for so many, <laughs> so for so long because I was scared. I was nervous about putting myself and my face out there, my voice out there. Um, but you know, it, it did not leave me. God wouldn't let me sleep at night. Sometimes I would wake up, you know, with ideas just rushing through my mind and I just had to write it down or I could not sleep. It's a <laughs> so, wonderful incentive. So I had to, I had to obey and I'm finally being obedient and I, it's brought me so much joy and, uh, just to provide a space for immigrant Americans to talk about their experience, their stories. I find that it can be healing, um, just telling or verbalizing what you've been through. You know, no one has probably ever asked, or you may, may not have thought about it, but sometimes just through the actual talk therapy or just sharing your experience, it can be healing and it can bring about such, um, such light and joy. I, I enjoy it. Yes, it is. It is <laughs> healing to talk Very about your story. Yes. Very good. Well, I thank you for being on the show. Thank you for joining us on another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America. As this show is new, any and all support is greatly appreciated. If you have not done so already, 
please subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, the Google Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you listen. We also ask for your support by providing us with a rating and review online and sharing this podcast with your friends, family, colleagues, and circle of influence. Join us again when we will share another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America. Until next time, walk good.